0: Our responses and reactions to all of the events around us are motivated by either love or fear. They are the two defining emotions of a person's life, and we filter everything through them. Those who are motivated by love tend to see the good in things that happen. Those who are motivated by fear or controlled by fear will tend to notice the bad. The most repeated command in scripture is do not fear. The phrase do not fear, do not be afraid and fear not are used more than 100 times in scripture. And fear is the primary tactic that our enemy uses to keep us from experiencing the freedom and fulfillment of the calling that God has for each of us. He uses it to cut us off from our life source. He can't truly disconnect us from God. So he uses fear to cripple us from the life and the joy and the ability to fulfill his calling in our lives. You can be alive. But if you have two broken legs, you're not going far. And that's exactly what he does to us with fear. So, God is continually reminding us throughout Scripture do not fear as a command. And He's doing this to expose our enemy's tactics. When God commands us not to fear, He's never trying to shame us. He's not saying, look at you, you're blowing it again. Look at that fearful thought you had. There you went again. He's saying that within your reach is the grace. That empowers you to rise above the fear. That empowers you to be victorious over fear. Anytime he gives the command, he empowers us to do what we previously couldn't do. Anytime he get, puts us in a situation, he empowers us to rise above that. And Isaiah 51, God starts the chapter speaking to the ex- exiled Israelites. And he basically says, listen here. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to make all of your waste places like the Garden of Eden. And he comes down through there, talking, speaking this way to them, making these promises of how oh, he's going to bring them back, restore them. Uh, when he gets down to the subject of fear, his, his, ch- his tone changes dramatically. And verse 12, he says, I, even I, am the one who comforts you. Who are you to be afraid he brings on a little bit of this confrontational tone, and I think that's an interesting approach to fear because I would think when God comes to us as his children and we're struggling with fear, he's going to say, you know, you know, come here. They're there. It's OK. I'm going to protect you. You're safe. Don't fear. And he really doesn't do that. He stands in front of us and says, do not fear. He says, have you noticed my size? Do you see who I am? Who do you think you are being afraid? (laughs) Nobody, (laughs) right? (laughs) But that's his approach. And as I looked through these hundred or so verses in scripture where this command is used, it's almost always in that tone of confrontation. Of do you do you have any idea who I am? Why are you afraid? Don't fear. And I love that little picture in the video clip of where the little guy is running from the big boogeyman and all of a sudden it shows God. And he's ten times bigger than the boogeyman. And that's the picture we get here in Isaiah fifty one. Having the emotion of fear is not a sin. Partnering with it is. Embracing it is. Do you know there's a difference between facts and truth? There are facts that are not truth. The fact was there were giants in the land. The truth was they were as bread for the children of Israelites. Some of the people focused on the facts. Some of them focused on the truth. Satan loves to use moments of tragedy or intense emotion and pain to get us to agree with his lies. A tragedy, a bill in the mail you can't pay, conflict, relational issues, a bad medical diagnosis, I'm not suggesting denial. Denial doesn't help us at all. But then you need to anchor back into the truth. You need to agree with the truth. So, yes, here's what I'm looking at. I don't have the money to pay this bill. Yes, whatever it is. But what is the truth of God over this situation? What are the promises of God over this situation? And anchor your heart and your spirit back into the truth. Fear doesn't usually start off as a spirit of fear. The Bible talks a lot about that. Many times it's just a simple emotion. And you, or I'll speak for myself, I can easily work myself into fear without any help. I can do it by myself pretty well. Um, But you'll find when you start to fear, Satan is usually pretty eager and willing to give you some help. It's his biggest tool he uses to disconnect us from our life source. And so he constantly wants to lie to us through our fears. When you choose to believe a lie, you empower the liar. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar. When you give your mind or your emotions to his lies, he doesn't just call it a day and say, okay, okay. Well, got him there. I'm going to go take a nap. No, he will keep working. And the moment you agree with that lie, the moment I agree with the lie, I invite the atmosphere of darkness to influence my thoughts and my values. And that's just this cloud of darkness that we've all experienced that will come over you When you make an agreement with the lies that Satan wants to feed you, you something happens, you start to fear. Satan wants to feed you a couple of lies. You. Yeah, that looked. That's true. Can't argue with that. And pretty soon you're buried in fear, worry, anxiety. And it's not long until you've got a spirit of fear that will be glad to come and help you out, keeping that thing going. And now you've got a lot bigger battle to deal with. And like I said, every one of us deals with this on some level. Every one of us does. And fear messes us up in the worst way possible because it connects us to a lie. Fear is absolutely deadly. So the question is, what are you doing about fear in your life? Where are you at with this? About the temptation to entertain negative and fearful thoughts. We tend to, you know, play that over and over in my mind. What if? What about? Should I? If I had all of those questions and we become so fearful and anxious over something. How many of you have lost sleep? Doing that kind of routine. I have. And I don't lose sleep very easily. So. You know how to meditate obviously. Now we just need to change the subject. What are you focusing on? Are you going to feed yourself on that which kills? Or that which gives life? It's a choice. Fear at it's base level is a defense and control mechanism where I'm afraid to trust. I don't believe God's actually safe. I don't think he probably actually has my best in mind. It's not worth the risk. And so I'm going to maintain a semblance of control and self-protection. We also have a tendency to want to predict something bad's going to happen or look at The negative side of something so that we appear discerning when it happens that is ugly but I find that in myself sometimes Um, if we cover every scenario that could go wrong it's also a form of self-protection we cover every scenario that could go wrong then when some of those actually happen it's not going to surprise us or hurt us because we were braced for it right Something I believe something very r- real happens on a spiritual level when we give place to fear in that way we I don't know how to how to explain it, except I think we kind of we we think through that scenario and we place that fear and we kind of project it into space and it just sits there waiting and you can go weeks or months or years and forget all about it, but it's you agreed with that fear and it's there waiting on you and then The moment something remotely similar to that fear, might not even be a fraction as bad, but something along those lines takes place, bam. You instantly connect back to the fear that you agreed with. And how many times have you said, yep, I was afraid that would happen. Or I knew it. I called that one. Yeah, I saw that coming. That's no surprise, right? We construct this big contraption thingy of doubts, of fear, unbelief, to try to bring a semblance of control over the unpredictability and the chaos of life, the uncertainty and to just protect us from that pain. And as we build that thing and we it gets bigger and bigger and we live that way and we give that ground to Satan, it kind of becomes this massive contraption in our lives that we've we've built this huge mechanism of protection that we've become so invested in. We can't let go of it. It's too risky. How would I ever survive without that thing? How would I ever survive without um uh, living that way, the scriptural terminology for that is simply giving place to the devil, giving the devil space rent free. I have a friend who can't stand any any like you know sports logos or whatever logos on clothing. He just thinks it's absolutely stupid you're paying the company to advertise for them you're paying them. To give you the privilege of advertising for them, getting nothing out of it except maybe hoping someone will, that you don't even care about, is going to like you better because you look a little cooler. I, I guess that's the deal, right? So that's kind of what we do with this fear thing. We Satan comes along and we give him space in our head and in our life. And then we pay him. For us letting him use that space. Doesn't sound like rocket science, does it? (laughs) Another thing we tend to fall for and I think has been big. Maybe slightly larger for us and some of our background and in our culture is. Using trying to harness the power of fear to produce righteousness where we make a buddy deal with Satan that we're going to use fear to help produce good, to help produce righteousness in our lives. Um, We use fear as a form of godly religious control to produce good results in people and in ourselves. Well, what would so-and-so think if you would show up in church looking like that, Sam? you look Right? It's never a good idea to enlist Satan's help to produce righteousness. He'll be glad to let you think he's helping. But you certainly aren't going to get any true life or freedom out of the deal. I don't have reliable statistics, obviously. But from my understanding, the amount of Anabaptist people that are on antidepressants and Meds for anxiety is off the charts, very disproportionately. I think that's probably, I'm sure there's a lot of factors, probably largely due to the agreements with fear and shame to produce performance. So, what are you doing with the issue of fear, and how are you thinking? We tend, in our Western advanced, enlightened frame of thinking, we tend to compartmentalize and separate our thoughts from our actions and our relationships from each other. Um, You can try that. It really doesn't work that way because it's not the way God designed us. In God's framework, there is a spiritual reality. Where there is a spiritual reality, there's also a physical demonstration of it. And... About 2,000 years ago, there was a little beat-up old man that had a few things to say about the topic of fear and love. In John 4, he says, Beloved, let us... Chapter. I'm just going to break in and read a couple of verses here. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So we have come to know, I'm skipping down to verse 16, so we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, Talking here in verse 18 about perfect love casting out fear, which is a verse we're all extremely familiar with. This is something that I never saw until very recently, that this perfect love he's talking about, I always saw that as being God's perfect love. When I truly understand God's love, when I've experienced God's love and its perfection, there's no room left in my life for fear. And that is indeed, I'm sure, part of the picture. But that's actually not the meaning of the word perfect here. The meaning of the word perfect in this context is the idea of love that has been perfected. Love that's mature, that's grown up, that's made complete. That's love that is like Jesus loved. Love that is tangible in our relationships with each other not just in great-sounding theories. You have to give away what you've received before it becomes completed. You have to give away what you've received before it becomes complete. That is the kind of love that will cast out fear. And so it's a love that we've received that has flowed through us, that has matured, through our handling of it, that drives fear out of our lives. John Piper said, perfect love is the love of God expressing itself in our love to each other. Our love of God and our love of our neighbor cannot be separated. It's not some magical experience between just me and God. I've never, well, never. I don't think of myself as a fearful person. I I used to, as a a teen, it used to be massive. I mean, just buried in the thing, in in several areas. Um, And it's just something I really don't think I deal with a lot anymore. Um, One of the things I think I've wrestled a lot for through the years, though, coming out of some of that, is just really understanding, and so this, uh, really really understanding, let me back up, really understanding a heart level connection with God, as I'm his son, you know, he's my dad, that's where there's a relationship, there's just knowing that, I know all the theology, but many times it hasn't, it's just not been beyond that, and I've kind of wrestled with that some through the years, and God's done a lot for me, Um, but So preparing for this sermon, this really pushed some buttons. And I had fears and doubts and so on surface and um, wrestled with come up that I haven't really dealt with for a long time. What are the odds on that? Um, So I'm just going to share a little bit of some of what my last week or so has looked like. We had uh, a week ago-ish. A few of us were here. At church, just praying, praying for church, praying for different things, and I shared with with a group of a few other couples there, you know, kind of what these buttons that are getting pushed, and I've got this fear thing, and I'm kind of like, where God just feels distant, like I know He's my dad, but I just I don't feel it, and so they, of course got around me and prayed for me and and the presence of God was there in a beautiful way and they all felt that and I really didn't sorry guys <laughs> I didn't mean to throw you under the bus <laughs> um and that's a little disappointing to me you know it's like when when will God just kind of show up and fix this thing forever for me um a couple days later, though, I was lying in bed in the morning half awake and trying to get up. And God so clearly brought this verse out of, out of John 4 to me. He loved his brother whom he has not seen. How can he love God who he has seen? And he just clearly convicted me that I need to deal with a wall. That I've left in place from years ago between myself and my wife, and that His grace is not going to flow that connection that I wanted can't get through because I've got this barrier. A few years ago, we were going through some pretty difficult stuff. And. It just felt, as I'm sure you can probably relate to, the intensity of it was just more than I could handle. It felt like, okay, I just can't take this. It's constant, you know, and we weren't relating very well with each other. And so in without trying to necessarily, I mean, yes, I'll take responsibility for it, but it just happens so easily. I put up just a couple little walls emotionally. between myself and her. And I don't think I even really knew it. I kind of did, would think about it sometimes, but I've kind of blocked off a little bit in that area for three, four years ever since. And it probably started actually before that, but that was where it really kind of got cemented. And, you know, what's a couple little walls, a couple little things, what's that going to affect? We've had a great marriage, We get along really good most of the time. And, uh, yeah, What's, what's the problem? Well, actually, it doesn't work that way, does it? That thing grew, and it grew, and it blocked, definitely, I would say, blocked the flow of grace into our relationship and affected many other areas in my life and in our marriage. And... It's just so anyway, to finish the story, we had a time of confession and repenting here a couple of nights ago and letting go of some of that stuff and yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um highly recommend that. The other thing that God showed me is that He wants me to commit to the process. You know, I want an easy fix. I want to sing, my fears are gone, and never face a fear again. And Satan is going to be attacking us with this for our entire lives. And can we dwell in absolute oneness with him? Absolutely. And that's our biggest resource against this. But I want an easy fix. Through some of that same time in the struggle with our marriage, uh, we're We were just missing each other, just not connecting well at all. And one day I'm driving and I was just crying out to God saying, God, you know, would you just fix this? I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what to do. It seems like nothing I do makes any difference. Um, It's a lose-lose. Could you please just fix what's going on in my marriage? And I got a response. And it wasn't what I wanted to hear at all. He said, "Nope. I want to equip you. To fix it, I don't want to do it. I want to equip you to do it. and that was really not what I wanted him to do at all, <laughs> and I've drugged my feet because I want a miracle. you know I want him to just um take care of everything for me, but he wants us to commit to the process of walking in love with our fellow man, with our brother, with our sister. Before he, in the same measure that we are willing to do that, we will experience the flow of his love and his grace. We cannot separate those things. So I've got a few more notes, but I'm going to switch gears instead. If you've got a mic back there, I'm going to open it up, and I would like you guys to share. What's been your experience or an experience on this in this area? What's something that God has showed you or set you free from? Or it's just a chance to give a testimony to God's grace to his. Um, or, or what is how has God given you victory over fear? Is another question I'd love to hear. I don't have all the answers. A lot of you guys have walked through this a lot more than I have. What, that could sound bad. I didn't mean it that way. Who wants to take a shot at that? What are some of the things that you have found in your life that have connected you to the heart, God's heart of love, to live in love, to live in faith rather than listening to fear?
1: Sure, exactly how to say it, but I—I um, I feel like um, probably through some of the health issues and stuff that I've had, um, there was a time when I think I experienced quite a bit of fear of not having faith, condemnation, not having faith that I don't get healed. And I feel like I kind of had to let go of that, realizing that that is not in my power to do. Um, But at the same time, I feel like God has worked a deep work of of who Jesus is Mm -hmm. for me. taken away fear, Um, future, present. um, It's not that I don't dread some things, probably especially just starting into chemo again. Um, I've begged God to heal completely and not have to go through that again. I still think he can, (laughs) Um, but we're kind of doing a step at a time, just um and I've found his grace amazingly sufficient when kind of the ugly feelings come, the weak feelings the um that I remember so well from three years ago um so it's it's been a beautiful thing just to see that. I can choose to either um, kind of fight it and and think I have to not experience the weakness and the drained feelings that chemo brings and stuff, or I can just take a day at a time or an hour at a time and know that this is going to pass too. And um, God has just really good. <laughs> He's sufficient and I know that um God's grace is gonna take me through. Mm-hmm. So I um I wanna praise God for who He is in our lives and just that we can put our put our lives in God's hands. If that makes sense. <laughs>
2: like to say a little bit maybe um, and again it's, it's probably um, my wife's sickness has probably brought that on in my own life more than anything and then some of the issues with our children you know too because I was um, I was pro- I would say I was used to kind of be in control of things you know I could pretty mm-hmm. much fix about anything it's usually mm-hmm. what I used to tell people and this was, you know, I come up against, we come up against some of these things. And we just, I can't fix it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I just can't fix it. Uh, I know God can, but it has brought, mm-hmm. sometimes it, you know, sometimes it have brought a fear to me. Uh, because I felt like it was out of my control. And uh, But I have learned to, again, I have learned to. Satisfied with that, being at peace with that. Um, I know that our story is not finished until we're done here, and I'm I'm content with that. I I'm resting in in God, in His sovereignty, in His grace, His righteous judgments, all that. I am satisfied with that, um, and that's where I live. I I, I don't. I still experience. Want to grab, get a hold, and pick this thing back up? Sometimes, um, but I soon, pretty, pretty much, pretty soon realize that there's no peace in that, uh, and so I've, I, 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 uh, I try to, I try to uh, give it to God, and and I do this by, God often reminds me of different. His promises. Um, and I know that, uh, and I, I go to those and I resort to those and it brings it brings me back to uh, the realization that, you know, God is this big man. <laughs> He's this big person. And I'm content to, to leave it there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I've seen a lot of results. I've seen a lot of good results in not only how I, really yes, Largely on how I relate to other people, uh, including my children and my my wife. So,
0: good. yeah. Thank you.
2: Not perfect, but God is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm content to walk with Him that way.
0: Amen. Thank you both. <laughs> sure jump in line if you want.
4: Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was doing. Um, different parts of my life, uh, I've had different fears. When I was a, a child, I struggled a lot with fear, fear of the dark, um, tremendously fearful of, um, people just timid. Um, yeah, I think probably fear of man for a, a long time in my life. Um, and then going through the situation that we did with Marcus, um, um, just the fear of, you know, every time my boys would want to go do something, what if this would happen or what if that would happen? I've just found a tremendous freedom in just realizing who the enemy is and what his agendas are and how he works. And I think, you know, even as we think of being afraid of in the dark, the reason we're afraid in the dark is because we're not sure what's around us. But when we understand who God is and who he is to us and how that we can trust him and we allow that perfect love to fill us. That perfect love casts out fear. And I think so I think for me largely a big thing in overcoming fear, especially in the latter years, is just to be as secure in who I am in Christ and to be um to be aware but not focused on the enemy. Realizing that fear is the mother of control. Satan uses fear to try to gain control in our lives. Um, so so just realizing that, realizing his agenda and allowing God's love just to be um, full and overflowing in my life and be secure in that has been powerful for me.
5: anxiety, panic attacks, just all kinds of anxiety. And um, it it created a a pattern for me where I became overly attached to everything in my life, overly attached to relationships, to jobs, to people, to places, to things. I just was so afraid of losing things Hmm. that I was super clingy, (laughs) and that didn't go well for me. In, in many areas of my life. And something that I'm really grateful. That God is teaching me in my life right now. Um, is is the scripture that says. Um, you know. For I reckon. That the, the suffering of this present world. Shall not compare to the glory. That will be revealed. And how resting in that. Mm-hmm. And that the things God gives. The people God gives. They're a glimpse of God's love. And resting in. The eternal love of God that he has this glory for me that even if the worst of my fears comes true, the glory of God is so much greater than every little thing that I have become overly attached to. (laughs) So he doesn't want me to be overly attached to the here and to the now and to the people and the places and the things because he's got something even more awesome (laughs) for me. And I'm learning that every day and I still have my anxiety issues And then I have to remember and rest in God's love Mm -hmm. and the the eternal nature of God's love. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, our journey together with anxiety is not over. So just (laughs) last night she was like, what about this 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 and this and this and this and this and what do we do? thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about giving us the strength and the faith and the hope and the love that overcomes death itself. And I want to glorify God for that. In you.
0: Amen. Thank you. Um,
3: I think one of the big things that Katie referred to is in that I related to very much in my own walking out of think, pretty much, to um, walking in confidence, (laughs) is understanding who Jesus is, and understanding who the Father is, and out of that understanding, or understanding who I am, Mm -hmm. what my position is in them, and especially a big one for me perfectness of the sacrifice that Jesus made because it took away my fear of somehow messing it up and not making it. Hmm. And al- is allowing me to walk in the love of the Father. And it's pretty much completely changed. It changed my life and it changed my outlook on life.
6: trying to be good enough and be who I thought people wanted me to be and maintain a status of who they thought I was. And so that made me constantly evaluate everyone's responses around me. And I would dance a dance responses positive because i was so afraid of failing afraid of getting a raised eyebrow very afraid of rejection very afraid of not meeting expectations and it affected my social circles my friends even my husband I would see two friends get together, the thought would come into my mind, what's wrong with me? They they didn't want me. Or if someone else was asked to do help out in a certain way, use their giftings, the thought would cross my mind. So they don't think I'm gifted to ask to help. Or if, yeah, it, it, it just, there was an endless vicious cycle of so being afraid that I wasn't good enough. And it wasn't until being able to go away and soak in a whole week of saturation of God and a focus on what God thought of me, and I realized I've been good enough for God all along. Father God smiles on me. Even when someone else is disappointed. Father God delights in me. Even when I make an outfit choice that somebody else thinks is horrific. And Father God never thinks anything I say is stupid. And that. amazing and it's made that realization has made all the difference so even when I wear a color shirt that isn't Sam's favorite I don't even feel bad and that sounds really really (laughs) weird but it's it is also cool is all those years that I spent trying so hard to be good enough I already was like God wasn't even rolling his eyes and huffing and disappointed that I wasn't getting it he just stayed and his heart changed never. his heart never changed towards me it was always the same whether I realized it or when I didn't attitude towards me was the same.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
7: This morning I came to church thinking I'm going to be blessed, and instead I feel God pretty much tore my life apart and made that I can see into it. Um, this morning I see I live my life
0: Do yeah. it.
4: started in his life, you've promised that you will finish it. deliver him from the fear of failure. Um, pray specifically that you would um, continue to deliver him uh, from the fear God, I too just want to pray for my brother Linford. Thank you, Father, for the way that you are a good father and for the way that you work in our lives. And As he expressed that he came to church wanting to be blessed, God, we just want to thank you that you did bless him. You did bless him with just being able for him to see the things that you wanted him to see, and for the way that you, through your Holy Spirit, ministered to many of us, and for the way that you ministered to Linford and the things that you showed him. And we're we're just here together with him, taking this fear—fear fear of failure, fear of not being good enough, fear of failing in the marriage, fear of not pleasing his mom or dad or people around him. We just simply together take those things to the foot of the cross and we recognize that the blood of Jesus was shed for us to be able to be free and that you're a redeemer, a restorer. And we just take these things and we just ask Jesus that you bring, continue to bring healing in Linford and Mary's life, that you will um, heal Linford from this fear as he allows your perfect love to flow through him and overflow in such a way that there is no room for fear. Fear is gone in the name of Jesus. So we just ask you, Jesus, that you just continue to minister to him and to lead him to all truth, and as He uh, makes room for the truth, not the facts, but the truth, your truth in His life, He will be free. Because your truth will make us free. And when you make us free, we are free indeed. So we just simply commit all of this to you. And we do agree together in the name of Jesus and His authority. We We rebuke away and renounce the spirit of fear from operating or having a stronghold in Linford's life. We just ask for him to be free. Ask you, Jesus, to just set a hedge of protection around him and continue to draw him closer to yourself and help him to see and feel and experience who you are. We thank you in Jesus' name.
0: That I know that was not probably the easiest thing to do. Some of the stuff I shared about my life the last week wasn't too fun either. <laughs> uh, but God is so worth it. And what are we afraid of, anyway? Anyone else?
8: short i know uh, something that really god has been doing um yeah it's just ridding out fear in my own life and i felt mostly like what he wanted me to share was just for years i lived with fear as my best friend and i was sure i needed it i was sure it was telling me the truth and i'm definitely on a journey with this but i know that fear is not my best friend truth and god the father is my best friend and so there's times when fears pop up but i can see them pretty clearly now and i'm excited about that Mm -hmm. and so yeah i would just say if if fear has had a big place in your heart and life um yeah root it out let let jesus take care of that kick him out because he doesn't need to be Mm -hmm. your best friend um as he was for me so
0: time allotment. Should I just wrap it up? Do you have something else that needs to happen? Okay. Um, yeah, just a, a couple of thoughts I'm going to close with here is in fighting fear. Um, there's a number of things that God gives us as tools in our weapon against or our, our fight against fear, putting on the armor of God, reading scripture, memorizing scripture, but declaring truth declare truth and anchor your heart into the truth. Uh, Dwell in God's presence when you are in the throne room of God and surrender before Him. How much defense, how much control do you really need to keep yourself safe? Not much. Not any. When you see the size of your God, Love in action. And uh, of course, if, if, if you see you've got this gigantic contraption that you've built to protect yourself, these walls start by cleaning house. You may have given it the right to be there. You may have painstakingly built it. You may be very attached to it, like Sam shared. I've been there. Know exactly what you're talking about. But it's worth getting rid of that monster. It is so worth kicking it out. So renounce it. Repent of it. Tell it to get lost. You will live so much better without the fear. So start there. And just remember that there is not a single fear that comes at you that has not been filtered through the grace of God. And he has equipped you to be completely, completely victorious. I'm getting the sense, and I had the sense, which is one of the reasons it's connected with me so much that this has been a big issue for us here. And I believe I think different ones of us have been sensing that God is wanting to take the church here into a season of greater understanding of his calling on us as a church and what he would have us to be doing in the impact and the expansion of his kingdom. And I think it is vital that we deal with this thing that we restore the weak and the crippled and what has been maimed in this area of fear before we can move into the season that God has for us. So let's stand and we're going to close in prayer.